Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast, and good morning, everyone on the West Coast, where my guest is from. Our guest today is Linda Cohen, and the name of her book is A Thousand Mitzvahs, How Small Acts of Kindness Can Heal, Inspire, and Change Your Life. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Patricia. Nice to be on your show. You know, I want to say that um, I had your book and I looked at it and I said, this is a woman that I really want to have on my program. Um, we're the same faith. We're both Jewish. And my father recently passed after 95 years. And in your book, it says, when Linda Cohen's father passed away, she decided to heal her soul and honor his memory by performing 1,000 acts of kindness or mitzvahs. What inspired was a two-and-a-half-year journey during which time Cohen completed 1,000 simple acts that had profound and lasting implications. 1,000 mitzvahs is a testament to the transformational power of how kindness and a call to action for others to pay it forward is so important, no matter how large or small the act. And I want to read a little bit about you, Linda. Linda Cohen holds a bachelor's in Jewish studies from the University of Judaism in Los Angeles now called the American Jewish University, and a master's from Brandeis University. She's been a professional and a lay leader in the Jewish community, and she's been an active volunteer since her early 30s and has participated in untold numbers of volunteer projects. And Linda's children were six and nine years old when the Thousand Mitzvahs project began, and it took two years to complete. Her website is 1000mitzvahs, M-I-T-Z-B-H-S-V-H, S.org. Well, welcome, Linda. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's difficult at any age. I mean, I was older, and my dad was 95, and we were very close. And although I think I said a lot, and I did a lot, and I wrote a book with a lot of his stories, it's still, there's still, there's like a hole yeah. There's a hole that you cannot fill. And I'd like you to talk about that and then talk about the mitzvahs. Okay. Uh, well, I actually, one of the things I don't really address that much in the book is that um, I actually had a little bit of a difficult relationship with my own father. And um, so it was, 
I think part of the healing for me, by the time he passed away, we had had some time because he knew he was dying the year before he died. We had some time to address some of the issues that had been a challenge in our life. And I think by the time he passed away, we were both at peace. We had found a place where we both felt more healed. And then working on the Mitzvah Project certainly continued to help me heal through that process. But what you said is really true. As I've started sharing this book and been on book tour, I I am resonating for people who have had grief and loss in their life, which it affects all of us. And I remember a gentleman came up to me in the Seattle area who'd lost his wife, and he was a young guy, and she had been sick for, you know, probably, I think he said seven or eight years with some cancer. And I said, oh, my gosh, how are you doing? You know, and he said, thank you for asking me, because I think a lot of people assumed since he knew for all of those years that she was going to die, like, he should be able to just move on and get on with it. And it, it was it's so different when it's actually you, you are yeah. grieving. Yeah, I think the other part of that is for me, and I know I'm not alone, when you've had a parent that long, the, yeah. the, often the stock comment is, well, aren't you lucky you had them all those years? Right. And what I want to say is, yes, that's true, and on the other hand, it makes it harder. Yeah. Because you have had them all that year. All right, year. right. And you've relied on them, having them in your life in some way for all those years, yeah. So talk about some of the mitzvahs and how those help to heal you and, you know, what some of them were. I mean, there were a thousand, so right. I'd like to pick on and, a few of your favorite ones. Okay, and the book does not have all the thousand in them, obviously. We, we categorize them. Um, so I will start with, you know, maybe a couple of serious ones. I mean, the first mitzvah was to give a book to someone, uh, somebody that I knew was going on a trip, and so I, I gave her a book that I had just enjoyed and I thought she might enjoy. And so from the very beginning, nothing that I did, you know, while cumulatively they, they felt transformative, individually each of the actions really wasn't life-changing, and I have never professed that any of them really were. You know, putting change in a coin canister at the supermarket or at the grocery store, giving tickets away to a stranger uh, who had just gone through some chemotherapy, and I couldn't use the tickets because it was falling on the first night of Passover, and a colleague asked me if I would donate them uh, to her friend who had just finished chemotherapy. And at first I wasn't inclined to do it. I thought, oh, I want to get my money back. And then I realized that it could be really uh, something she could appreciate. And I thought about all the women that I knew from that networking group. Uh, so I decided to give the ticket away. Uh, here's my que- but here's my question, Linda. How does doing those things, which are seemingly unrelated, right, to your father's death, how does that help to heal the, the issue with your dad? That's what I want to know. Well, I don't know that any of the individual actions, I mean, there were many that were revolving around driving. My father was the person who taught me how to drive, and I remember one time uh, letting someone go in front of me because there was a, a funeral procession. I mean, I didn't really have a choice, but I, I was patient, whereas somebody else I noticed was not in, in front of me. And my dad taught me how to drive. So in that instant, I was then thinking about my father and remembering him teaching me how to drive in Vermont, you know, in my high school parking lot. Uh, the final mitzvah ended up being a food-related mitzvah, and my father was the one who really taught me how to cook. And so, you know, the final mitzvah, we, collect, we collected bags of canned goods for a local food pantry, and people wrote my father's name on the bags because it was written about in the local paper. So for sure, I felt my father's presence that day. And, you know, I think just sitting around the dinner table in my family growing up, 
the dinner table was a huge, was a very special place in our family. We ate meals together. I wouldn't say they were always pleasant, but um, you know that's neither here nor there. It was important for my family to have meals together, and and so at my dinner table, we were talking about mitzvahs a lot during the couple years that I was working on the project. So let's go back and look at one of the things I'd like to clarify for the audience. We said that mitzvah was an act of kindness. Is there another definition? Yeah, well, in Judaism, the word mitzvah is actually a commandment. And as Jews were commanded to do mitzvahs, and the, the official plural is mitzvot, that's the correct Hebrew plural. When I had the idea in the middle of the night, I used the word mitzvahs, and that was what I named the blog, and so that's what I've continued to use. Uh, but, yeah, we are commanded to do these certain acts. Some of them are positive, like honoring your mother and father, and some are negative, like do not steal. And when I thought of this project, for me, the idea of doing acts of loving kindness was really what I was focusing on. And so I focused on little, simple, daily actions. And, you know, I think people now use the word mitzvah synonymously with an act of kindness, while it does have this, you know, this bigger concept in Judaism of, of being really something you're commanded to do. Absolutely. You know, one of the chapters in your book that I'm resonating with right now is mm-hmm. Clear the Clutter. Okay. And, you know, you talk about things like giving things away, giving books, returning bottles, or um, donating items. I have found, and I have been wanting to do this for a while, but since my dad passed, I have been kind of relentless. I have a helper who comes mm-hmm. in and helps me. And we are going through every drawer, every cabinet, all of my work things, all of my personal things. And I've got to tell you, it really is making a difference. I can't, right. I can't even explain it, but... My head is clearer. I feel more directed. And I find the act of doing that very healing. I think that there's that same, well, I wrote about this in the book, that idea of nesting that we all, a lot of people feel when they're pregnant. Uh, it's the same thing when you're in that state of grieving. You, you, it's a similar, like, nesting thing. What can I do to clean out? And, and there is this sense of clarity when you declutter your life. I mean, organizers will tell you that for sure, but I think it's a, it has a healing property. Uh, and you know that you're going to then probably be passing along your, you know, if you still have good usable items, you're getting them out of your place and you're sending them to a place where someone else will now be able to utilize them. And that's also a, a, a feeling of, of usefulness with what, with what you're giving away. Yes, so very true. Now, one of the other uh, subjects that you talk about, let's see, there's there's so many here, so many beautiful chapters. I want to pick another chapter. I like this, what goes around comes around. What do you mean? Well, I remember talking about this with my children, you know, how our actions, how what we do in the world will come back to us. And, you know, people will often talk about that. If you do good, something good in the world, then maybe somewhere else something else will come back to you. And I just remember one day uh, when I was working on the Mitzvah Project, I volunteered to come in and bring a lunch in for an author in residence who was coming to our school. His name is Eric Kimmel. He's pretty well known in the Northwest. I'm pretty sure he's known all around the country as well, a Jewish uh, children's author. He was coming to the school, and so I, I provided a sandwich. And I ended up staying and watching him give his talk to the children, and he was very inspiring. And, you know, a week or two weeks later, um, the librarian gave me a book that had, you know, a signature from him that he had written to me, and it was her gift to me for thanking me for helping that day. And I remember bringing it to the car and opening up thinking, why did she give me anything? And my daughter was like, well, what goes around comes around, you know, when you're helping other people also want to give back and, and say thanks as well. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a running theme that I think we came up with uh, fairly frequently, that 
you know, it feels good to give. It feels good to receive as well. I think that one's harder, though. I think people have a little harder time when they have to be the recipient, and yet when you become the recipient, you allow someone else to be the giver. When you were were, uh, giving talks about your book and going to bookstores and traveling with this, what kind of comments did you get from people who attended and listened and read your book? I think people are realizing that as I'm saying these things, they do them. They're all often people who come up to me afterwards and say, yeah, I do that too. I just never really thought about it, that it could be something I do more consciously. I could be looking for it. I could be noticing when other people do them. And I think for me that's what opened up throughout the whole project was that realization that there's a lot of good that happens in this world. Uh, I don't know that we always think that when we read the newspaper and we watch TV and we're plugged into the media because I, I don't know that that's what gets covered. But when you're looking for the good things that another person does or that's happening, you're going to start to see that. And so people have come up to me a lot and shared that with me. I think people, I've, I, you know, re- more recently in the last month, I've been asking for people to commit to doing their own acts of kindness, maybe taking on their own week of doing 10 mitzvahs or a month of doing 50 mitzvahs or committing to doing a 1,000 because I, I know how transforming this activity can be, this project. It, for me, it really has shifted how I think about myself and my world every single day. And I'd love to be the catalyst for that to be able to help other people. And since I've started putting that request out, I've had a lot of people come through my website and come up to me who who are grieving or have experienced some loss or just want to try to be a better person, and they feel like this will help them be conscious of doing that. What other advice do you have for people in the grieving process itself? Well, I Any- think that yeah, I think that allowing yourself to be in that place is really important and I don't and I also don't know that people talk about it. I feel, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to talk about it because it's it's a party stopper. It's not really a subject that's terrific. Um, you know, and if if it gets to the point where it's you don't have a place to really talk about it and you're still feeling deep in the throes of grief, you, you may need to see counseling because it may be something that you're really not going to personally be able to help yourself through. But, you know, I, I think I encourage people to journal, uh, to write down what's going on for them, to spend more time in meditation or in yoga or attending religious services. I know for me those things were, were, were healing. And, and, you know, we were invited in the Jewish religion, we're invited to come and say the mourner's prayer at the synagogue, and I had never participated in that because this was my first um, loss that I would have, you know, been doing that. And I remember before my dad died talking to him about that and, uh, you know, saying, gosh, my kids are so little, I don't know how I'm going to get to synagogue every day to be able to do that. And, you know, he said, I, I don't need you to go every day. Go when you can. And it ended up being really powerful for me. It wasn't really about honoring him as much as it was healing to me to be able to go when I could to the synagogue and, and, you know, and recite those prayers. And so I encourage people to find, to find what, what feels appropriate for you and, and be okay with feeling blue because it's, it's very normal. You talk about that. You also talk about lighting a Yurtzite candle. Explain what a Yurtzite candle is and about that. So a Yurtzite candle every year on the anniversary of your, um, the person you're mourning, and it's and we do this for parents, children, spouses, and siblings. Uh, you light a candle, and it's just a memorial candle. I think that there's um, this idea of light, though, when you light something 
uh, you know, that light is flickering and it burns for 24 hours. And it's just a chance for you to, you know, commemorate and think about that person. That's another day you're invited to go back to synagogue and to say a prayer for them. Uh, I think also in that chapter I talk a little bit about uh, the the black crow. I, I told the story in the book that I my dad and I talked a little bit about um, if he ever wanted to come back, you know, to me in some way as a sign, I would be looking for that. And at his funeral, I saw a crow at you know circling around the synagogue. And that crow, that a black crow, has come into my life many times since then. And even though that's a very simple bird and there are a lot of them around, that was something that I really resonated with throughout the the years since he's been gone because I feel like even if I made that up and even if it wasn't real, it helped me. It was something I could relate to in terms of feeling still connected with him. Yeah, or sometimes just feeling that um, he's with you or he's there in some way. Right. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's go back and talk a little more about some other things in the book, some other mitzvahs you can do. Now, you talk about delivering gifts, helping people. Very important. Helping people, whether it's baking or driving or, you know, offering them something they need, but helping people. Right. Being in service. And I just think that those show up, you know, when you listen to what somebody needs. It could be somebody who's on bed rest. It could be someone who's elderly and can't get to the doctor's office. Uh, someone who is their husband or wife is, you know, abroad or they're in the service or whatever, and so you offer something that could help that other person. There's so many options every day. We would have so many options for that. Do you think also, um, do you think also, Linda, that it's good to have a support group? What's your feeling about that? Uh, just in general? You're talking about just, everybody in general? Yeah, a, gr- a support group for your grief. You know, if you're... Oh. If you're handling it well, but, you know, you know, there's some feelings inside and you just want to talk, what do you think about that? I think it depends the kind of person you are. I mean, I think for me, I'm kind of an extrovert. Yeah, I think that that would be very helpful. For somebody who's perhaps more of an introvert, maybe that isn't going to be healing for them because then they're going to be expected to say what they feel at this place and it may not be as comfortable. Uh, maybe they would be better off journaling or, or writing it down. But, you know, I think everybody will know if if there's that potential how how a supportive place might feel for you, then I'm certainly all about it. I think it just depends on the person. Yeah, and also for some people speaking to the clergy, whether it's your oh, rabbi yeah. or your minister or your priest. Yeah, because especially your clergy has had a lot of experiences with grieving and with families who are grieving in different situations, and they're going to probably be able to provide some comfort for you. Yes, and I found that. I have found that with my rabbi. Yeah. Just, you know, it's your right. It's those many, many years. Yeah. I think also because of the cultural aspect and religious aspect, they just somehow get it. Right. They understand because there's a lot of nuances. I mean, everybody's situation is different and every religion and culture has their own different nuances. Right. Yep. We all. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be another place. And, and, you know, maybe you're going to go to a counselor. I mean, you were talking about support groups. Maybe for you, one-on-one counseling may be helpful for you. I mean, I think that there's a traditional period of time, and if you've read anything about grieving, I mean, there is a process to it. And people do have – I wrote about this in the book. I had this idea that it's sort of a river of grief, and you actually have to go through it. I mean, you can't really get around it because if you kind of suppress it, it'll show up. It'll show up later, or it'll show up some other time in your life, and it's almost something that it's it's sort of better to address when it's – fresh for you rather than trying to suppress it just you know try to 
try to ad- address it and be with it, which is hard, which is very hard, I will say, in our busy 24-7 society where it's not, you know, certainly not a sexy subject to talk about grieving. Mm-hmm. Mm. But as you said, uh, it depends on your personality, but finding someone, you know, that you feel comfortable with. Right. And sometimes it takes, you know, it takes a little time to find right. the right person that you feel, you know, will really get it or really understand. Well, I had this, um, so our rap, when, when my father died, our rabbi and his wife were at that point in their 80s and they were already um, retired from our community. We had a new younger rabbi who had taken over, but I was still very close with them. And that year after my dad died, I would go to synagogue on Wednesday morning and I would go have coffee with the rabbi and his wife. And many of my mitzvahs that happened you know, happen kind of with them or taking the rabbi to a doctor's appointment. But one one um, visit I remember, so my dad passed away in December, and in April we lost our dog, who was about 11 at the time. And I remember going to her house, my, my rabbi's wife, uh, that morning and just sort of being embarrassed because I felt all over again. The grief just felt like it had been refreshed all over again, you know, four or five months later. And I was embarrassed to tell her that it was because of the dog, and I ended up sharing that with her. And she said, oh, you know, Linda, when, when our dog died, I cried for a week. And, you know, it just made me feel better that this woman in her 80s was now comforting me around another piece of grief that I was dealing with. So, like you said, finding that person who who's able to hear you and listen to you. And sometimes it can be a senior. I mean, I happen to love, I think there's a lot of wisdom that seniors have. And so maybe there's somebody in, in your community you can you can connect with who will have some of that wisdom for you. All right, my guest is Linda Cohen. Her book is 1,000 Mitzvahs, How Small Acts of Kindness Can Heal, Inspire, and Change Your Life. What's your message, Linda? And if people get one thing out of this interview or of your book, what is it you want them to get? I guess it's just that things that you can do uh, do not necessarily have to take a lot of time. They don't necessarily have to take a lot of money. It can just be you consciously looking every day for opportunities that you can give and maybe do something kind for yourself or for someone else. And I think that it will all come back to you. There was a a really great article that was run last week in a medical journal about how giving really benefits the recipient. Now, I've known that now for the last many years, but I just love when I get to see another article about that. You know, you you will benefit your health. You'll feel better. There's sort of a giver's high. And so it's not all about you just giving. It's about you receiving that feeling as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, what you're saying is there's a there's a giving from the receipt from the receiving or from the giving. There's also receiving for yourself. Correct. Yeah. And how can people find your book? Uh, it's on the internet. If you want to go onto an online service, it's probably at local bookstores, um, branches of local bookstores, and 1000mitzvahs.org. You can just Google it, and you can also come to my website 1000mitzvahs.org, and I've got a couple of links to purchase it as well. Do you give workshops or talks? I do, yes. I'm, I'm a speaker, and I go around the country, and I'm looking for opportunities to do more of those as well. So, yes, for sisterhoods, organizations, or corporations, do some. I'm beginning to do some consulting with corporations around how to put this into business rather than only personal. Could corporations look at this as a model for their organizations or for their companies? Yes, absolutely. Uh, kindness always makes a difference. Definitely. And, Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. 
Well, I really appreciate you coming on the program. And it's Linda Cohen is our guest. She's the author. The name of her book is 1,000 Mitzvahs, which is how small acts of kindness can heal, inspire, and change your life. And again, your website, Linda, is 1,000-1000-mitzvahs.org. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. And again, thank, thank you for coming on the program. Yes, yeah, stay on the line. Okay. All right, folks. Just want to tell you, uh, you can contact me, Patricia at patriciaraskin.com, and I'm happy to answer any of your questions. Um, we have great guests on Voice America all the time. Just log on to voiceamerica.com, go to Patricia Raskin, and all of these shows are archived so you can hear them and you can hear Linda's show right afterwards. All right. You've been listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.